Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Crossan, and I'm here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun on social media. I'm the owner of Fun Love Media, a social media management and content creation agency in Houston, Texas. I'm a wife, a mom of two, and when I'm not working or with my family, you can find me on my Peloton bike or tread, dancing on social media, or cuddle up with wine watching reality television. Please know that the show could include some grown-up language here or there. <laughs> Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, episode 148. I am your hostess, Brittany Crossan. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Or if you're new, well, welcome to the party. Today's episode does feel like a bit of a party because my guest definitely knows how to party on social media in a way that lifts you up, makes you smile. And um, it's really, really, really a fantastic thing to see. Um, he's a teacher, and you've probably seen him on Instagram or TikTok dancing with his students, Dr. Trevor Buffoni. He's coming up here in just a few minutes, a fellow Houstonian. I'm so stoked for you to meet Trevor um, coming up. First, I want to make a little reminder announcement uh, that, let's see, today's August 22nd that this is coming out, 2022. So tomorrow, August 23rd, 2022, is my email marketing masterclass that I'm doing for Small Biz Social Society. So you have to be a member of my membership, Small Biz Social Society, in order to be able to attend this email marketing class. And if you um, are a member and you can't be there live, then it's okay. You know that there's always a replay for you. Um, it's happening August 23rd, 2022 at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So Here's the dealio. If you're not a member yet, it's so freaking simple and so beneficial to you and your business. And plus, I think it's like a tax write-off, right? I mean, like I'm no expert on accounting, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. It's 18 bucks a month, the same price as a Netflix premium subscription, I'm pretty sure. And it's like the Netflix of social media and online marketing for your business because you pay this small amount every month to be a member. And then you go in and you just take in what you need to take in at the time. You watch what you want when you want. So in this case, right now, there's about to be the new email marketing uh, masterclass. It's going to be part of our core curriculum going forward. Um, coming up after this, there's going to be a LinkedIn masterclass and a Facebook masterclass and an Instagram masterclass and a TikTok masterclass. So we've got a lot of cool stuff in the works for Small Biz Social Society Go to smallbizsocialsociety.com. Go ahead and get into the membership. Uh, join the private Facebook group after you enroll. Come into the family. Have some fun on social media with us. Now, of course, speaking of fun on social media, I want to get to my guest who, like I said, is a teacher here in Houston. School is now officially back in session for Houston, Texas. And I'm so stoked for you to hear this really fascinating, a fun, interesting, and inspiring conversation that I had with Dr. Trevor Buffoni. Coming up next. Today's guest is a high school teacher at Bel Air High School right here in my hometown of Houston, Texas. His work using TikTok with his students has been featured on Good Morning America, ABC News, Inside Edition, and Access Hollywood, to name a few. He's the author of Renegades, Digital Dance Cultures from Dub Smash to TikTok, and the co-author of Latinx Teens, U.S. Popular Culture on the Page, Stage, and Screen. Some fun 
facts are that he has a PhD in Spanish, in Espanol, and he was in the 2002 Super Bowl halftime show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, Dr. Trevor Buffoni. Thank you for having me, Brittany. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time to do this. And um, we have to first talk about the halftime show. You knew I was going to, I mean, we have to. <laughs> the old halftime show. What is up with that? Were you like, um, were you a dancer? Were you? Um... Yeah. So um, I'm from New Orleans, like born and raised in New Orleans. And this was right after 9-11. It was the first halftime show after 9-11. So um, it was all, you know, a tribute to the people that, you know, we lost in 9-11. Uh, but U2 was the halftime performers, and they had high school students. Um, there might have been, like, 50 people from my school, but it was a bunch of us, and we all, like, had glow sticks, and we had very choreographed dances we had to do, like, on the field, like, during the show um, to, like, highlight U2, right? But it was really this bizarre uh, kind of experience, right, where we, like, had tons of rehearsal, and then because of 9-11, they were worried about security. So outside the Superdome in New Orleans, there were you had to enter like half a mile from like all the streets were closed and it was like fences and fences and security. And I mean, just unreal. And then there was this feeling of like nervousness, right? Like during the event, but it was super fun, you know, wow. like a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Yeah, it really is. That's really, really special. I mean, here, here, in, here in the good old USA, you know, we love a halftime yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was like, you know, fireworks and fire and right. Bono, you know, <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Okay. So also I want to um, ask you about your, your teaching career just in general, because I think you've told, well, you mentioned you're from new Orleans, but like I said, in your intro, you're here in Houston and you're the school you teach at is not far from where I live. So um, how, when, when did you start teaching and then what made you make that move to Houston? Yeah. So I've been teaching, I'm getting to the point where I'm losing track of how long, but <laughs> 14 years I don't know um but I taught from third grade all the way up to college um and right now I'm teaching high school at Bel Air High School but I um basically I moved here for grad school or I came to University of Houston to do a PhD in Spanish and then I just never left right so I finished school in 2015 and then I taught I taught at Rice University I taught writers in the schools like a as a teaching artist um I've done all sorts of different things taught summer camps all sorts of stuff. And then in 2018, I got back in the classroom full-time in high school, at least. And um, and then hilarity ensued, right? And the world had different plans for me, which I'm sure we'll get to later on in the podcast. So I've been in education my entire, you know, once I graduated college. And I don't know that I'm going to leave education anytime soon. Yeah, you seem to just be a natural educator and you've done all the things and explored so many different ways you can be an educator. And that's really right, cool. Right. And, and the, okay, the Spanish thing, look, this come, this is envy because I, that's just one of my personal things. I'm always so impressed and fascinated whenever someone is well, I mean, you studied it. So clearly it's a huge deal, but even someone being fluent in multiple languages, like to me, this is so exciting because I never did that. I love that so much. Was there something like just, this is my, I'm being selfish. This is my personal curiosity. Is there something that led you to do, do the Spanish thing or what did it just sound cool or what? You know, um, I've always been a language nerd, even when I was a kid, like I was obsessed with languages and also traveling. Right. So I remember even from a very young age, you know, eight, nine or so, I was obsessed with like France and Spain and I wanted to go to these places. And so then I started learning the languages so that when I went, I could, you know, have a more 
yeah. generative, like more fun time. And I just, I started learning languages in school and I, it's stuck. It, it's just something that I, that comes naturally to me. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd, <laughs> a language nerd, you know? I love um, it. I think it's yeah, so, so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, why not? It's never Come too on. late, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. Um, okay, I was just curious about that because I'm always, I'm always so impressed and excited whenever someone has has that ability. You know, I think it's so smart, and so I, I'm telling my kids, they're eight and eleven. I'm like, um, we need, we need to um, get on on this, and you need to be learning some sort of other language, even if I can't understand you. I want to do this for you, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but okay. So, okay. Let's, let's go up to more recent years. I want to talk about your books because I think that's really important. Um, but I also in general, just want to talk to you about your social media journey. So obviously now you've got a lot going on, on social media, but when did all of it start? Like, did you always like social media ever since way back in the day, or is it more of a recent thing for you? Yeah. So I am an extremely online millennial. Okay. So like I was on Facebook in 2004, like once, you know, I had my university email and it was, that's what we did. And I was on Twitter since 2008, 2009. Yeah. Um, I didn't use it much, but I've always been very interested in social media. And so I started teaching at Beller High School in 2018. And I actually, the story of how everything went, blew up, it coincides with uh, some loss, right? So the first day of school at Bel Air, my dad died unexpectedly I did not he was not sick you know he died and so I started this school year just very much in a place of of loss grief uh depression I didn't want to be there I felt like a failure because like you know my first year out of high uh, out of college in 2008 I taught high school and so I'm going back to do the same thing I did and now I have a PhD and I have written books and I've done all these different things and I'm doing the same job so I felt kind of like a failure right and at the same time, this is, you know, 2018, TikTok comes into the United States in August 2018. And then all these other sort of video sharing apps like Thriller, Dub Smash, um, Musical.ly was there at this point as well. And <clears throat> my students started making these videos, right? So I remember it's October or so, and I write about this in, in Renegades. But it's October or so, um, it's the end of class, it's like a Friday, it's my fifth period, which drove me insane. Um, also the class I like missed the most, right? But drove me insane. And they just popped the phone up, this, this group of girls, they popped the phone up on the like windowsill and they proceed to do a fully choreographed dance together. They never once learn it, they never once go through the moves, they already know it. They already have this language around it. And I remember, now, now, if you saw that, if you went to the mall and you saw this, you'd be like, oh, okay, TikTok. But in 2018, it was a, it was a rare site. It made no sense. And so I asked them, like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Where'd you learn the dance? Um, who choreographed the dance? I had all of these questions that um, very much showed them my interest and respect for what they were doing. Whereas I think a lot of teachers would have tried to shut it down. Like, you can't do this here, right? Also, if we're thinking about the lyrics and the words, being used in these videos, um, I think it would have gotten shut down in a lot of places, but I showed right. a genuine interest, right? And so my students were like, you got to learn the dances with us, right? So they started teaching me these dances and we started making dub smash uh, videos, TikTok videos, thrillers, all these different things, right? Um, we ended up going viral on, so this is like the end of 2018, winter 2019. We went viral on Snapchat, like actually still don't understand how that works, but uh, we were on like best of Snapchat. 
right? Okay. Which I guess is a big deal. All the kids were talking about it at school. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm not a Snapchatter. Um, and then, you know, we kept making videos, but they were posting it on their accounts. And then they started to go viral on Instagram. And so they were like, you got to make your own account. And I was like, well, I have a, I've had a, a Instagram account since you were in diapers. So like, don't <laughs> Check, tell me I need to make it. it, you know? Um, and they're like, no, 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 you make an Instagram account. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll make one that is like a professional Instagram account, my teacher Instagram account. So I made the account. I remember I'm in second period. It was February 20th, 2019. I make it during second period. The students in the class, they all followed me. And then throughout the day, they were, the kids would follow me. And I thought it would be something that I made. We kept it within the, my classroom or our school culture. And we could post the things we were doing as just a way for us to build community. It was, that was all it was meant to do. We never wanted to go viral. We never were trying to go viral. I, I genuinely don't think you should ever try to go viral. I think it's um, cringy, right? But also it it's feels- tricky, you know, It's a tricky road, yeah. Right, because <laughs> what goes viral is authenticity. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what people want is an authentic, to see authenticity. And so at that night, 5.30 p.m., I post my first video. It was a um, the Aloha challenge, dance challenge, look it up. And <laughs> <laughs> Aloha, yes, yes. And um, it went viral on Instagram. It was on the Explore page. It blew up. And within a few weeks or a week, I'm losing track, but I had about 50,000 followers on Instagram, which is really hard to do. Uh, yes. You know? Um, and then it just kept going up by the summer or by the end of the school year, I had hundred thousand followers on Instagram. And at this point I was, I had a TikTok, but I really, I was using stuff that the, the kids were making on their own accounts. Right. And I thought that this was it. This is fun. It was great. It would all just, you know, that was the peak. Right. And then I remember it was the second to last week of school. So May, 2019, and I got a, a DM from a producer at ABC 13 in Houston. It was like, hey, we, we saw you. We want to feature you on the show and on the news. On the Sunday Night News, it's the first story after the American Idol finale. And I was like, okay, cool. This is fun. So they came to school on like a, um, like a you know, a Wednesday. We filmed. We had fun. We like taught the news crew some dances. I mean, it was really, really fun. It came on Sunday. On Monday morning, I'm in second period. And I got an email from a producer at Good Morning America. And my first thought is, okay, who is pranking me? Right? Like, Good Morning America does not want to talk to me. And then I looked and it was ABC News, ABC.com. I was like, okay, this might be legit. And so I then got on the phone with the producer, the whole producer team. I have no idea how many people were on the phone. It was, it felt like a lot. And they were in the classroom at 4 a.m. the next morning to film live. Um, and then from there, I thought, okay, this is the peak. Good morning, America. And it just kind of kept going. Um, and so now, you know, basically the books emerged from that, right? I was trying to figure out as a PhD, as a scholar, someone trying to really understand like pop culture. I was like, why did this happen to me? And what does this all mean? How does this all fit into like U.S. culture, right? And so that's where the books emerged. And my students, we still do this. We still, we have a lot of fun. It's really, if you go into my classroom, you're invited, whatever you want, Brittany, um Ooh. we don't talk about going viral we don't talk about fame we don't talk about all of that stuff it's really about just having fun um relieving stress at a place that is very stressful these days especially um building bridges building community and doing it through difference right so if you watch my content you see i'm very different than my students we, we're, we're going across racial lines uh, generational lines all sorts of different things 
And TikTok really gives us the common vocabulary to really build those connections. Right. right. It really does. I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's, it's, it's a thing that for my whole career in social media so far, there's always like naysayers, right? Like, oh, that social media, it sure is trouble. You know, <laughs> why are you sharing so much on there? But actually, if you twist your perspective, you have what I would consider to be the correct perspective. It does do really beautiful things. If you let it, like you're saying, bringing people together, bringing you together with students and ha- having some sort of like kind of cool, fun, um, common ground. And it, of course, yeah. it can go, you know, the list goes on as to all the goodness that can come from being on social media, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you really, if you read Renegades, I really talk about my work with specifically like Blacks, teenage girls and how they really are setting the culture of a lot of these apps, right? But they're not really the ones getting the credit for it. And so what, you know, we're doing is I'm centering in public education, I'm centering the work of my students of color, right? Bringing their culture into the room. If you watch my stuff, this is not, you know, we talked about musical theater a minute ago. Um, Like I listen to show tunes, right? Like I'm not like in the car, like listening to Nicki Minaj. I love Nicki Minaj. Um, (laughs) But it's not like my, my first choice of music, right? So and, and the way I dance in these videos is really the dance that my students are bringing into the room, right? So they're getting to bring in parts of their identity and parts of their culture in a space that typically in high school and public education, like they have to check who they are, fit a rubric, fit the mold so they can get through and not get in trouble, right? And there's all this research about black students um, in the school to prison pipeline and the way that they're disproportionately um, expelled or suspended or their grades are lower, right? It's all part of the systemic racism, right? And so I'm pushing against that through, through dance, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, and you're also like being what I, this, what I would consider to be a really great role model and somebody that I feel like, like you're building trust is maybe yeah, what course, I was thinking yeah. with those students, because um, I've got kiddos and I've, you know, so I'm starting to kind of witness it from that perspective of looking at what they're going through. And you can see that sometimes it's hard for young people to have trust in, in their teacher for, you know, like you said, yeah. you're, yeah. you're talking about that specific situation or whatever the situation. And I think it's so cool that, cause when I watch y'all's videos, I feel like you've got, I just, I don't know. I feel like good energy. I feel a bond. I feel like they feel good there with you you know do you notice that do you feel like I mean not to compare yourself to other teachers but do you feel feel that is that something like that trust between you and your students you know I'm not like other teachers I'm a cool teacher no Uh, exactly (laughs) no but um it's absolutely something that's there and I mean I get tons of students that come to me um and they will tell me anything and they trust me with any information and um, sometimes it's too much, <laughs> you know, yes. uh, it's a lot to, for me to take on, but they know that I'm an adult in the building they can trust. And I don't, you know, of course I do, I am an adult, so I have to like do certain things with certain informations, right? Sure. But I very much take the student side, like whenever I can, I'm on the student's team and I'm working to make them safer and them feel more comfortable and them enjoy with school more right and so because they know that is the culture of my classroom it you know it 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 leads to more of that right right um because there again a lot of you know at the end of the day like in public at least in houston his houston is independent school district i keep forgetting we're 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 talking for people all over the country 
but you know, my classes are, are very big. We have 35 students in a class, right? In a freshman, sophomore level class. Um, and so it can be really hard to, to build a relationship with every student, right? Um, but you know, what we're doing and what you see on screen, it does create good vibes, right? And it creates this classroom atmosphere. So you might just see me and one or me and two students in a video, but there's people off screen. There's people who are hyping us up, who are watching, who just like to follow, who just like to um, press the button on the phone, right? Who like to manipulate the blinds or change the lights, you know, the LED lights. So everyone has a role, right? Um, and it's, it kind of just creates this really positive atmosphere that people want to come into. And, you know, like something I do, I play, the teachers around me probably don't like it, but I play, I have a very, very loud speaker in my class and I play music during the uh, passing period. So like cha-cha slide or like whatever, electric slide. Um, and I'll play it really loudly and the students come in and someone will dance, they'll dance. You know, we kind of like start the class with a good, a good mood, right? A good, like, easygoing, like we're going to have an enjoyable 50 minutes together, right? Uh, for the most part. Uh, and I'll do like theme days. They'll be like, okay, today is 90s. This week is 90s. Or we'll go through the Billboard Hot 100 year by year, right? Or today is boy bands. It's NSYNC Factory Boys Day, right? <laughs> and so the students, and so it also becomes educational too, because they're like, oh, like, what is this Backstreet Boys? Is this NSYNC? Like, what's the difference? Aren't they the same? And I'm like, they're not the same. They're, not, they're <laughs> definitely not the same. <laughs> So it's fun. And it's I, all been, yeah. I, I I would definitely want to be in your, your class. Um, is <laughs> I'm curious though. So with that though, is there how does that work? I've always wondered this. I'm sure a lot of people listening are curious about this too. Like, do you have to go to somebody and be like, Well, we're gonna film some stuff? Is that okay? Like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we edit this part out? <laughs> um off the record, no, <laughs> everything's <laughs> on the record today. No, but um, so when I went viral, so 2019, I went viral and I immediately was like, oh, I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> like, or the prince, I kept waiting for the principal to be, to say something, right? Um, and then the principal I noticed was following me and then the principal was like, awesome work. And by the time Good Morning America came, I mean, after Good Morning America, people were like, oh, did your principal know? I'm like, how do you think Good Morning America came into the school building, yeah. filmed at 4 a.m.? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the principal knows. Consent, right? And, you know, there are, for every person like me um, who is doing this, there are probably two or three that don't have the luxury or the privilege of being able to film with students um, because of school rules, right? And... I have permission. My students, their parents know, uh, they support. Um, if you talk to my students' parents, or at least the ones I've heard from, um, I've never had a piece of criticism from any of them. Um, I'm very intentional about um, getting the students' consent. A lot of times students want to create stuff, but they don't want it to be posted. So we do create stuff and we might, I might send it to them or they have it and they just oh. circulate with their friends or it goes on like Snapchat where um, it's like a one-time view right. thing, That's not public. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't get posted publicly by me or by anyone. So there are different layers to this, right? Based on students' comfort. And I don't force anyone. So if you, the all class videos, like uh, on my TikTok, the one that's pinned with the whipped cream, um, all of those people want to be in the video, right? But there's also 20 people who you don't see, right? Who don't want to be on screen. Right. So, you know, it just depends on where you are. I know there's a lot of schools that don't allow any of it. But if you read the rules for my district, the guidelines, it's kind of ambiguous, right? In my 
I've never had an issue with it, but my TikTok, my Instagram are very much, I consider them professional extensions of my classroom. I have, a tr- Trevor Buffoni has an Instagram that has 300 followers, <laughs> you know, but Dr. Buffoni has its own animal happening, right? So I, I try to separate them. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I love it. That's so cool. Um, okay, so, and then I have some book related questions, but before, one more thing I was just thinking of, I don't want to forget. What's, so do you have any, because I know you write about TikTok a lot and you um, have studied a lot of that, but what about Instagram? Because I, you know, you have over freaking 250,000 Instagram followers. Holy crap. First of all, that's so hard to do. There are people that are like still striving to get to 5,000, right? So it's a huge accomplishment. Um, you also have a good solid following on TikTok. Do you have um, like comparative thoughts on the two? Do you prefer one of the other? Do you just, I, how yeah. do you feel about it? I will say I, I enjoy TikTok more. Um, and I think it's because of the algorithm and yeah. the way it feeds you content that feels, you know, for, so for instance on, and also so I feel like Instagram, I want to see content by the people I follow and on TikTok, I want to see content that is curated for me. You know, uh, and I know Instagram is changing the culture, changing the algorithm to give us more of that kind of TikTok. <laughs> Many changes in 2022 right. for Instagram. And um, in Instagram, it is very hard to grow a following. Um, but most of, you know, I had, I, I really grew before COVID, right? Like I was flying high and then COVID really derailed me because my content relies on my classroom. And I didn't have students. I, we were at home. Um, I had very few in person when we finally went in person. So I kind of like, I've st- I stalled out a bit. But what I was doing was a niche thing, right? Yeah. A teacher dancing with students was, is very common now. Uh, but in 2019, there was very few people doing it, right? And so I think that what I, my advice would be to people would be to really, I don't know if that you're asking for advice, but yes. to, find, to find that niche, right? And to really work the niche. Um, at the same time, you know, these apps really shoehorn us into those niches, right? So like if I post, um, a video, if I start to do videos that are about gardening, like my followers don't follow me to follow about gardening, right? So they might not do as well, right? But when I do my bread and butter stuff, it does well, right? It like always does well. So I think Instagram, I, I, I spend more time on TikTok, but Instagram is where I, have more of a following. So I do a lot on Instagram. It just kind of depends on the mood. Um, but I wish Instagram and I get it, but I wish it would just do Instagram and not try to like replicate TikTok, Right. You know? Um, yeah. That's been the, a huge topic of conversation in my world this year in 2022. Yeah. It's been crazy. And it's, it's demoting, you know, pictures and like the, you know, I just, I think everything has a role. And I think for instance, Twitter, I think is, has retained its identity really well because it has stuck to text and it still lets you put a video or a picture, but it is really text and privileges who you follow. Right. Or you can change the settings as well. Um, whereas Instagram, I think is just having an identity crisis with reels. And, and I don't know if you ever, if you ever make reels like on reels, it's just not an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I do. They they've had a lot of issues with that because I'll, I'll also like um, just experiment because I need to like to help clients or students or whatever. And yeah, so so I'll notice that like 
I've noticed that like the, the glitches have been a tough thing in creating reels within the app. Although I've still done it a lot. It's not been always the easiest journey and TikTok does have um, a lot of cool options. If somebody wants to get like extra creative with like the special effects and all that jazz. And that's kind of like, I feel like a strength of TikToks, you know? Oh yeah. And it's TikTok is a bit intuitive. Um, so it's easy to learn. Um, yeah, Yeah. but it kind of has everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's all a lot of fun. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk about, um, this book renegades. So it's renegades, digital dance cultures from dub smash to TikTok. So tell me how that came about. Oh, there it is. Yay. I love it. Oh my gosh. The yellow is everything. It's like, yeah, it pops. It's beautiful. So tell me, how did this come about? When did, when did you write it? Why did you write it? What is it about? Yeah. So as I was saying, you know, 2019, I go viral and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Why is this happening to me? And, you know, I have, I, I, I write about, so my PhD is in Spanish, but my work has really been about pop culture, theater, a lot of theater. And um, so I came at it from this performance angle where I was like, okay, it's a performance space, these many performances, micro theaters happening. And I really want to understand what's happening. So I started really thinking about my classroom as, as this kind of like incubator of this. And Fast forward to 2020, I'm stuck at home. We're all stuck at home. March, I think it was March 30th or so, I got an email from an editor at Oxford University Press, which is one of the top uh, university presses like in the world, right? Oxford, right? Like England. And Even I know what that is. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's got a name. It's, it's legible, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he emails me and on my website, my, I had a blurb about how I was writing this book about uh, it was basically like a teaching memoir about that year when my dad died ending on good morning America it had nothing to do with anything in this book that I wrote um and I said well you know I have this other book but y'all don't do memoir what if I have this other idea and so I pitched the idea and he was like awesome do it and when I tell you I wrote the whole book and it went through very little edits in April and May I got up, it was like this divine intervention. I would wake up naturally at about 4 a.m. and I would just write. And so if you read it, it is a university press, but it's not a stuffy academic book. It's very much like I'm telling the story about my classroom and these black influencers who are really making TikTok culture, US culture. Um, and so I, and I was still teaching at this time. I, I very much burnt out by June, I will say. Um, but it was like, I had to I had to tell the story and I, I did. Uh, so it came out in last summer, so 2021 summer. So it's been out for a year now. Um, and basically it it's one of those things where I wrote it and I felt like, oh, this is going to be dated. And the same conversations in this book keep happening, right? The Jimmy Fallon, Addison Rae, where she taught the TikTok dances that were mostly created by Black TikTokers. Uh, the Black TikTok strike, right? Um, I do write about the George Floyd protests and how people were using TikTok as a space of activism in the book. Um, but the same conversations keep coming up about how Black creators are really doing a lot of the heavy lifting of creating dance challenges or the slang uh, the way we speak that's happening on TikTok, but they're often not getting the credit for this work, right? Or it's being appropriated by white people, whether they're doing it maliciously or not, doesn't really matter, right? But you can look at someone like uh, Charlie D'Amelio, Charlie D'Amelio, who's now the second most followed TikToker. 
She was the first most until a few weeks ago. Who who's the first now? Um, it's the guy. He's in. Oh God, I can't oh, think okay. of. The... He's in that? Africa somewhere in Africa. I can't. I don't want to name the country because then I look super white because it's wrong. Um, but he does reaction videos, right? And he he's risen up very quickly. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fun. So very different. But Charlie D'Amelio still has an incredible amount of sure. pull, right? So that's where Renegades, the title comes from, is the controversy over the Renegade Dance Challenge, which if we look at today, a dance challenge on TikTok, like um, Lizzo, um, what's the one? About the Time. <laughs> that one was probably the biggest of the year so far. And there's only about a million or so videos using that song. If you look up Renegade, the song Renegade on TikTok, there are over 35 million videos, unique videos that use that song. Let's take a quick break to talk about this special promotion happening in my mastermind membership, Small Biz Social Society. This is a community for ambitious entrepreneurs that want to stand out on social media. If you are building a personal brand on social media, this is for you. Right now, you can enroll for just eight freaking dollars. That's right. You're going to get $10 off your first month of Small Biz Social Society when you use code 10 first 2022. That's T-E-N-F-I-R-S-T-2022. You're going to get education, you're going to get community, and you're going to rise up together alongside this fabulous group of people. Go to smallbizsocialsociety.com and use code 10FIRST2022 to get $10 off your first month. Get in for just 8 freaking dollars. This is such a cool opportunity. It expires August 29th, 2022. Don't miss it. That dance, we have not seen anything that big since it happened 2019, 2020. And so what happened was basically uh, Jalea Harmon, who's on the cover of the book, she created this dance in um, November 2019. It went viral on Dub Smash, on Funimate, and then it was migrated to TikTok. And then eventually Charlie D'Amelio did it. She, and then that's when it went viral. It blew up and everyone associated Charlie D'Amelio with creating this dance, right? Uh-huh. And she got tons of notoriety. Um, she was invited to the NBA All-Star Game. That's when Charlie D'Amelio became on like a name outside of TikTok because yeah. she was the one that created this dance. And then it was revealed. There was a lot of adults, like I was there, uh, behind the scenes, like trying to get the story out that this, 14 year old black girl created the dance. It ends up coming out. So 14? that's really She was 14. That's amazing. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's still in high school, right? And um, she created this dance that then these white girls um, were able to go viral off of. And, and that changed the culture on TikTok. So now you'll see like a dance credit DC uh, when people can, they say who created the dance, right? Because yeah, at the end of the day, okay. at the end of the day, yeah. Oh, right? sorry. Well, I was going to ask. Well, maybe this is maybe, sorry, I don't, don't, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm wondering like, if you have suggestions then for people, because like, you could probably agree that most people don't, don't go into making something like that, intending to maliciously steal or to try to get, steal someone's thunder even, or take their, right. A lot of people are just like, oh, neat, it's a dance. Let's do it. Right. But so what is the tip? Like, what can someone do to just be helpful to, to, for the solution? Well, okay, a lot of times it goes so far from the origin that it's almost impossible to track. But basically what happens is 
if you, Brittany creates a dance and then you would put DC me, or you could put your tag, right? Right. Um, on TikTok. And that tells anyone that watches it, you create that dance. And then the, the proper culture would be, if I were to come across it and I want to do it, I would then tag you DC Brittany Crossum, right? Um, and so if you start from the beginning, then it changes, right? So for instance, someone like Charlie D'Amelio, who now gives dance credits when she can, um, she does it and then it tells everyone else to do it. She sets the culture. Oh, cool. If okay. you don't know it, if you don't know it in the comment, and if you comment on your own video, it, I think is almost always the first comment, or you can pin it as well. You can right. say who, who's dance credit or who, who, who made this dance, you know, yada, yada. And then people will comment. Okay. Um, when you can, it's not like you're going to get banned if you don't do it. But what it does is it creates a culture where everyone knows that it's normal to do this. And what it does is, this is the important thing. I think that a lot of people miss. And usually this conversation is very much racially divided by who gets it, who doesn't get it, right? Um, white people tend to not get it and people of color tend to get it, right? right? We can look at the history of the United States here. But basically, um, it, 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 okay, it feels like nothing. It's just a post on social media, but Charlie D'Amelio has 140 million followers. If she tags Brittany Crossan in a video, you're going to get some eyeballs on your stuff who yeah. are then going to follow you. And that's how you grow, right? And it sounds like it's just a silly place, social media, but it has monetary value, right? Um, even me, I feel like I'm on the smaller end of like having a following on social media, but like I still get offers all the time, paid offers to do promos and ads. A lot of it doesn't align with what I do. And so I don't do it, but the money is there if I want it, right? Um, it also gives me clout. So like this book, these books I've written on TikTok, I have a bit of, I'm the only researcher looking at this that has a social media following on these, on TikTok, right? On Instagram, right? So there are other people doing it, but I'm the, I'm the only person that has like, uh, the perspective of a creator, right? So I can get a book deal. I can get speaking engagements on the book, right? Because I have this platform. And right. so it feels like it doesn't make a difference, but it actually is can be money, you know, it could be a for, job. For sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a lot of people's livelihood. A lot of people feed their children oh, yeah. by being an influencer or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, okay, good. No, this is helpful because um, as soon as you started into this topic, I was like, okay, we need to just like share these tips with people. So so any chance you get, definitely if you if you can pretty much prove you feel really solid that who who created it, go ahead and put that in there like DC, which you know, that gives them that credit and then, and tag them if you can. Um, and then, but you said you can also even put in the first comment of your own video and even just reach out kind of, kind of like, Hey, does anybody know who created this? It's just like that effort. I think it's a, um, and because you, um, are so into musical theater as well, you understand all of this is that I think it's just like that artist thing right like yeah. it, it's like the a creator just as it's always been so now we're talking social media but in the past and it can be really um so gray for so many people because I people aren't like you said a lot of people don't get it and and that's okay but now you can listen and start to get it and I think the more we talk about it the better yes, exactly. for people to exactly. truly understand like, Oh man. Okay. That's right. It's kind of like somebody had to sit down and like paint this picture. They, they stood there and they thought of this choreography and they literally created it. And once we can get people's minds to shift, to think of it that way, yeah. well, it's going to get hopefully better and better. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of it is changing on TikTok. But you got to think, um, got to remember, this came out in 2018 in the United States. And for two years, it was a teenager Gen Z space. And so because of that, a lot of adults were like, oh, it's just TikTok. It's just child's play. It doesn't matter. It's not important. And now, I mean, you're seeing every brand is on it. Every politician running for office of a certain level is on it. The United States government is using it to like educate people, right? Um, about whatever it is, right? And so you're seeing like everyone realize the power of this place. Um, and again, like we talked about earlier, like the platform itself can be good, it can be bad, but it's on us really to like bring um, our ethics to the space, you know? Right. Yeah. This is really cool. I love that. I love that you, and I love that you have her on the cover of the book and it's, it's just so beautiful and how exciting. And like I said, 14 years old, like my mind is blowing. Like, I mean, I just would have like dreamt of choreographing some sort of fabulous thing when I was 14. Like this is absolutely amazing. And that's another thing with, I wonder your thoughts on this is is the opportunity of social media in general. Right. And, and like we could say for young people, because you're a teacher and you're, you're in that space, but how cool is that, that you do have opportunity to get out there and be creative and express yourself. And, and you know what I mean? Like, this is not something that existed before. So we didn't oh, yeah. have that. Well, no, kids. I mean, I, if you talk to young people, teenagers, especially a lot of them see, you know, maybe 20 years ago, we saw, oh, you have to go to college and you have to go do things a certain way. And now they're like, actually, I don't have to do that. Um, I have the tools right here. And it really is a democratic space. Like TikTok, all you need is a phone, which again, can be expensive, um, and internet access, and you can create content and you hold the keys, right? You don't have to get hired by someone. You don't have to get um, accepted somewhere or um, audition for something. You are literally doing it yourself. Right. And it might go viral. It might not. It might build a following. It might not. But it gives you the tools to actually take that step. Right. Exactly. You just said viral. And earlier, it, it makes me think of what you said earlier is that you don't think that people should necessarily try to go viral. Um, what do you mean by that? And I would love to just hear your thoughts on that because I'm probably going to agree with what you <laughs> You're like, I want to go viral. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so fun to go viral and that's great. Oh, it's Congratu- great. It's great. Congratulations, but it's so tricky. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, I think again, it go- I said before, authenticity is the name of the game. And I think what people should try to do is just put out authentic content, content that's true to them, content that is high quality, um, content that is going to interest folks, so on and so forth. But it's the cringiness I find of like the uh, I want to go viral like what do you want I want to go viral no I want to build a following and I want to you know so like for instance I it okay so I was talking to someone I I'm tight with um who owns a a store okay and has a quite big TikTok following and it was like what do you want out of this and she's like well I want people to come to the store I'm like well then you don't need a big TikTok following you just need a following of people that are going to come to your store Right. Right. Um, so cater to those people. Right. Create stuff that is going to get those people coming back into the store. Right. Because at the end of the day, you might get 100,000 followers in um, in France, but they're not going to come to the store in New York. Right. For the right. Um, and so it's just creating that authentic content that is um, not going to come across as just trying to pander to social media. 
which sometimes works. You know, if you think about the accounts on TikTok where they do, there's like a white woman that does really bad recipes <laughs> and she does them very straight faced and serious. And it's all about getting reactions, right? <laughs> but she knows what she's doing, right? Um, and it works. But most people want, they want to see the personality. They want to see what you're good at. They want to see your expertise in whatever that might mean. Um, they want to see the comedy, right? Um, and I mean, social media, especially Instagram and TikTok are really about being um, consistent, right. right? So like post every day, you post every three days, you post at the certain times, you interact with your followers, right? Um, you turn your followers into fans, right? Who are going to migrate to other platforms with you, uh, which is very hard. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, a lot of yes. big TikTokers don't have big followings anywhere else. Exactly. Right. It's it's like that on all these social platforms. You might be yeah. a superstar on yeah. one and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I, I think it's just important to point that out. And I love what you said about like, but, but what do you really want? So it's like, maybe, maybe going viral could be part of the journey and maybe that would make sense in your journey, but we're not sure yet. We need to know what your actual like big goal is to know if that even matters in the mix. Does that even need to be a part of it? Cause it may, like you said, it may not, if you, you have a small local store and you want people to just come shop. Yeah. Like who cares if you had a viral video? I mean, that's fine. Yeah. That's if it happens, well, but eh. yeah. And yeah. also like, you know, you need talent. Like if you want to be a movie star or a singer, like at the end of the day, like you might have a shortcut to get there, but you still need talent right and I think we're seeing that with I hope she doesn't find me Addison Ray um who has a tremendous following on TikTok but doesn't seem to have the talent to back up the following right with the music and the films that she's done um nothing against her she's fine but like having yeah. a platform doesn't equal having talent like having right. the goods right and so I think just working on yourself, that's what I'm, I'm trying to always make a better version of myself and really improve who I am, uh, regardless if people are watching or not watching. Right. Okay, cool. I love that. Okay. Before I let you go, I want to make sure I ask you about this new book you're working on because it, there's talks of musical theater and how it can be connected to TikTok and all that. And I am a theater gal, I, a Houston theater. I performed in theater for years here and, um, love it so, so much. And I'd like you, I too roll in the car, listening to show tunes. Um, <laughs> but I would love to hear what you have to say about that and what this new book's going to be all about. Yeah. So I'm working on this book. I'm um, almost finished the writing, but basically since the early days of TikTok 2018, there has been this through line of musical theater being part of the sonic landscape, right? The sound of TikTok, right? Um, we can look at it in different ways. So there's like musicals, like six, or Heathers that are operate in a stealth way, right? Like you don't actually know you're listening to it, but it becomes these viral trends that people use the you know soundtrack for or the cast recording to you know, make videos. So like last spring, I was in my class, I played the six cast recording in between class. And one of my students walked in and was like, why are you playing TikTok music, right? <laughs> and so you're seeing a cast recording in the same way that say in the 50s or 60s and 40s, musical theater show tunes were standards on the radio. We're seeing that on TikTok. Or if we look at something very visible, like um, Encanto, right? We don't talk about Bruno, right? That had Um, a hell of a moment. Right, right. So there are a lot of examples of musical theater just living in the mainstream on TikTok, Ratatouille to TikTok musical, right? Um, In the Heights, 
Hamilton, all of these different shows have had a longevity in TikTok in a way that we haven't seen on Instagram or Twitter, where it's, you know, going far beyond the musical theater community. And so I'm writing about that, right? I'm writing about musical theater's relationship with TikTok and how it, it, the book is called TikTok Broadway. And I talk about this as this community of people that are very, very engaged and know what they're doing. And also people that have no clue they're even engaging with musical theater fandom, right? Because of these stealth musicals like Heather's and Beetlejuice uh, and Six, of course. So that's a little... That's cool. That's it's, that's such a good point. A lot of people don't even realize where that music is from. Like you said, that kiddo said, why, why are you playing TikTok music? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's well, cool. It's It's been fun. I mean, so in this in last March, I showed In the Heights, the film for my students, my Spanish students, like before spring break as a brain break for me. But they needed to be cultured. OK. And when it got <laughs> to the Usnavi and Vanessa fight at, in, at Blackout, Usnavi, all night, you barely even... The dance with me, don't make me laugh. I've been trying all night. You've been shaking your ass for like half of the heights. The whole class sang along. Like they were like, even the kids that were like, this is stupid. I don't like musicals. They all sang along they because do. that was a massive TikTok trend, right? With over a million videos, right. right? And that is something that is interesting to me. Like why are these people that don't like musicals engaging with musical theater culture? Right. That is so cool. Okay. So what, when can we look forward to getting our hands on that one? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, probably a year next okay. summer. So okay, next I'm year. I'm the writing. I have interest from a press. Um, I just got to finish it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. You'll have to have me back on the podcast. We'll talk musicals. Yes. A special oh my musical theater episode. Yes, please. Don't, don't make me do that. That would be horrible. <laughs> I love oh, it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Trevor. I'm going to let you go. I have already taken up more time than I told you I would, but I just loved listening to your story and all of your insight. It's really, really interesting and important. And I appreciate you sharing it here with all of us. I want you to, before we go, remind everybody where they can follow you, um, and how they can get your books. Yeah. So if you go to my website, trevorbuffoni.com, B-O-F-F-O-N-E, um, I have everything linked there. If you look up Dr. Dr. B-O-F-F-O-N-E on any social media. Okay. On TikTok and Instagram, I'm the only one. Um, and my books are all linked everywhere. So. Okay. Perfect. Um, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So. Perfect. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Trevor. I appreciate Thank you, you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show, y'all. For more information about the podcast, go to socialsunshinepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to the Social Sunshine Podcast YouTube channel. For more information about me, go to brittanycrossin.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and Clubhouse. The Social Sunshine Podcast is a Fun Love Media production. Funlovemedia.com. Bye.